Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. This is resisting sin. They would not tolerate evil. It was not a compromising church. Oh, if we could say that today about the church in America. But we can't. Because they tolerate anything. Almost. Many, many churches. The values of today, they say have changed. No, it's just old sin in a new package. All the Christian television programs, radio broadcasts, missions, movements, all of them may claim to be rooted in Jesus. But there's only one way to know for sure. Go to the Word. If something doesn't line up with Scripture, then be suspicious. The Word tells us to seek discernment, and we do that through diligent study and seeking to hear from Him. If a pastor tells you even to question whether what he says lines up with Scripture, then he's pointing you in the right direction. As we'll hear in today's teaching, one church being addressed in Revelation was doing a great job of being discerning, testing those who claimed to be apostles, but were not. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 8, for our continuing study entitled, Remember, Repent, Repeat. What was happening in those days was Jesus was walking among the church and he would stop and look at individuals and he knew their panorama of life from day one to right now. It's like video. And you say, well, you couldn't remember that. Remember this one? Remember you guys that said you cheated on your card? Oh, he pulls it out. See the erasure marks? I remember. So what does that say to us tonight of all? Does it say anything to us tonight here? Who's walking among us tonight? Does he know anything about you? Since when? It's the beginning of time. So he's going to give you. He's already given me a report card this week. I had to do it first. I'm not showing you my report card. But he's going to get every one of you tonight a report card. Now, he can do that because he paid the cost. So he's going to show us your life. Now, you don't need to look at your neighbor and say, I want to, well, you don't see too many good grades in your card. Doesn't matter what their card shows. You're the one that has to show it to daddy when we get home, isn't it, right? We stand before God alone and go, here's my report card. He says, oh, you don't need to show it to me. I know it all. He knows it. So this is interesting to me, and I want you to understand that this is not sterile stuff, and Normally on Sunday nights I just sit and teach rather than get out, but sometimes I'll get out and remind you that this isn't stale teaching. God is here tonight. He's alive. We're not worshiping this multi-breasted whatever idol that's worth nothing. He's here tonight. He's alive. And he's going to give us a report card. Let's see what happens. By the way, for homework, you can just write down Psalm 139, verse 1 through 4. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 4 says great things about God. He says, you know me, you search me, you know me when I sit, you know when I stand. Before a word is on my tongue, you already know it. Nothing's hidden. 
Some of you are saying, I hope he doesn't come to me. He knew that. He knew that. I knew that. Now, what are we going to see as he gives this report card? You're going to see four things tonight. We're going to see a commendation. In other words, Christ is going to say to the church, here are the things that are right. By the way, good psychology as he goes through. Then we're going to get an accusation from him. Here are the areas or area that is wrong. Then admonition. Okay, here's how to fix it. And finally, a special promise. So he's going to give us all of these as we go and as we look through. Let's take the first one tonight. What is right in that church of Ephesus? And then just think about your own life. Chapter 2, verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. This is a picture of a busy church. Notice, your hard work. In the Greek, that word means hard work to exhaustion. Absolutely busy all the time. Functioning. Good activity everywhere. Every night of the week, something's happening somewhere around that place. Sound familiar? This was actually matching what was going on in the city. This was a very fast-growing city. It was a happening town, and it was a happening church. It was a healthy sign. Jesus says, I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know that that's good. Now remember tonight one thing. Good works do not equal salvation. And that's the difficulty. Let's just turn quickly to Ephesians chapter 2, just for a second. Ephesians chapter 2. Whenever we see good works, especially today... Because of all the unhealthy churches, we have to remind ourselves that this is not earning you or me salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, not from any work you can do. It's a gift from God. Then he just puts it like we couldn't have understood that. Well, here in simple language for you is the answer. It is not by works so that anybody could boast. So when you come to Jesus Christ, you come one way, by grace. And you come by grace through faith. You just believe in Jesus Christ. Religion is due. Salvation is done. Christianity is done. Now, is there a place for works? Well, certainly. Look at verse 10. After we're saved, this is the before and after. After we're saved by grace, we see this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the fun of life is finding out what God has in store for you. All the good works that he has lined up for you. So see, good works are absolutely important. If a person says, well, I came to Jesus Christ and, and uh, they've accepted him by faith, which is the way all of us have to do, and you look at their life three years down the road and there are no good works, there's no change in their life, then you have to say to them probably, you better check and see, probably you're not saved. Because if you are saved, then you're going to, and you're going to see tonight, you're going to want to do things for God. There's, the Bible calls it fruits of repentance. It shows that something happened. 
but you cannot get it the wrong way. You can't do your works and say, well, God, this is why I'm going to heaven, because I'm doing all these things. Wrong order. Grace, faith, then works. So he says to this church, you're doing great. You're doing wonderful. Let's go back to Revelation. This is our first grade tonight. Good works equals an A. They were doing good. Now, what I'd like you to do beyond every one of these things that I talk about, grade yourself tonight. If you want to use a code that your wife or husband can't see, that's fine. But grade yourself. Now, remember, don't fudge, because who's walking among us? The master teacher is, so whatever. Next. I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked men, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. So the second area is perseverance. It's patient endurance. To bear up under a load, even during great persecution. To just hang in there. Jesus says to them, A, grade yourself. Next, they resisted sin. In other words, this was a non, it was not a compromising church. Remember the line I talked about this morning? Satan always wants us to bring to this line of compromise. How close can I get to sin? If I can just get right here, wrong question to be asking in your life. This church at Ephesus said, mm -mm, we're back here. We don't want to get anywhere near that area because we know it's dangerous territory. So, this is resisting sin. They would not tolerate evil. It was not a compromising church. Oh, if we could say that today about the church in America. But we can't. Because they tolerate anything, almost, many, many churches. The values of today, they say have changed. No, it's just old sin in a new package. Now remember, this city, you say, well, they didn't have much of a hard time in those days resisting sin. Look at our, look at our town today. Hello. What did we just say? This city was filled with prostitution, immorality, more than ours is even, because that was part of their worship. When you wanted to worship the goddess Diana, you went and had sex with a priestess. That was the way to worship. Now we don't, we haven't quite gone that far yet. So you can't say that they had a hard time. They had a very difficult time. And they resisted sin. Grade yourself. A for them, Jesus says. The next one is discernment. Earlier on, the church at Ephesus, when Paul formed that church, and then when he came through the second time, and he said to them, as he got the Ephesian elders together, I think it's somewhere on Acts 20, he said to them, there's going to be false teachers that are going to come. And they're going to rise from within. You need to be alert. You need to be careful. You need to be studying the word. They're going to come and try to destroy the sheep. Jesus says they had great discernment. They would not allow false teachers in the church to teach. I think that's a great statement for a church. What we try to do here, and it's strange for some of you, but this is the way we feel we should do it. We really don't put anybody in any kind of ministry leadership role at all until they've been here a minimum six months. You see, we have to know them. We have to know their heart. We have to know who they are. It's easy to be deceived. 
And the other thing we do is we pray about it because we could be deceived easily even after somebody's been here that long. This church, discernment, and A. Let me ask you, the more you're through the Word of God, here's where you really need discernment. Not really, you'd certainly need it in this church because you've got to check every time I teach. Absolutely. Check it against the Word of God. But you need it more watching, quote, Christian TV or listening to radio. You need great discernment. Now, you don't have to slam it all. When you hear some stuff that's weird, just go, I don't think so. Flip it off. You don't need it. You don't want to fill your mind with the junk. Because it is, there is no discernment on most of that TV. They call it Christian, but it's far from. It's stuff that you don't even need to be listening to. Discernment for the M&A. How about you? Now let's get on to verse 6. This is another part of the report card that's positive. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You see, some people say, well, God's just love. He doesn't have any standards. Hello. He hated this. He hates sin. You know one other thing he hates today? It's the same as it has been since day one. He hates divorce. Now, he loves divorced people because they're hurting, but he hates the process of divorce. Hasn't changed, never will change. So he says here, Nicolaitans. Now, we're going to spend a little more time on that later in detail because there's a lot of confusion about what this really is. There's some who, and we'll go through it then, that there's some wrong practices, but there's others that believe this was the forerunner, the Nicolaitans were the forerunner of the clergy laity. You say, well, what do you mean by that? By this. That this was the forerunner where if you were going to be a pastor, teacher, or an apostle, or whatever, you began to separate yourself from the people. And you began to put on all kinds of fancy things. And you were the holy one. People would kiss your ring and come to you and respect you because you are special. And I'm not making fun of anybody tonight, but God hates that. Because there's only one person that's worthy of worship. And that's God. You don't worship me. I mean, I could put the white deal on and whatever and nice tie. That ain't going to make a bit of difference. Because when we take it off, we're all what? Exactly the same. So I'm not making fun of respecting priests or pastors or rabbis. Certainly we do. They're men of God. But they're no different or better than who? You and I. So God hated this. That's one of the possibilities of Nicolaitans. Verse 3 gives us one more. That was all also part of discernment, by the way. Verse 6 was. Verse 3 says, You have persevered, you have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown <laughs> weary. How many failed right there in that last word? Weary. <laughs> he says this, You worked yourself to the bone, but you're not weary. See, Satan wants to do that. So they were faithful. Faithful. This church suffered persecution, yet they hung in there. They endured any hardship. And this is where you have to grade yourself. Don't grade yourself until I finish this statement. They never thought of throwing in the towel, ever. Okay, grade yourself. Tougher. Never gave up. Just kept right on trucking. Awesome. So that's the, that's the part that are good, the commendation. Now we come to the accusation. What is, what is wrong? All of those were good. Grade your own self. Grade your own report card. Now we go to verse 4. Yet, Jesus says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken 
your first love. Notice, this is very interesting and I love it. Jesus doesn't say here, well, I have some things against you. Start guessing. Uh, mm, uh, no, he comes right out and he says, this is the thing I have against you. See, that's the difference between condemnation from Satan and conviction from God, Romans 8.1. See, condemnation from Satan says, I have this against you, everything. You're always wrong. Nothing's good enough. Conviction says, I have this one thing against you. Here it is. And by the way, I'm not only going to point it out, but I'm going to help you fix it. That's the difference. So you don't leave church condemned. I can't make it. It's never going to be good enough. No, not at all. That's condemnation. It comes from Satan. It does not come from God. Now, love for God. We'll examine that. Don't grade yourself yet. Because you've got to go through it all. Then you can grade yourself. Their grade was an F. They were failing. The order in the Greek is very important with this word. In this sentence. It says it could be translated two different ways. And let me translate them for you tonight. Your first love you have left. Or, you have left the love of the first days. So Jesus is saying this. Now, don't mistake this. Notice, Jesus doesn't say in verse 2-4, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Quit all your good works. No, he loved the good works. But the problem was, they were doing the good works with the wrong motives. Now, why would we do works for God Good works, serving, ministering, sharing the gospel, reading your Bible. Why would we do good works for God with the wrong motives? Well, here's four motives possibly for tonight. You could be serving God out of guilt. See, if you come to church out of guilt, that isn't true love. It's wrong. When Valentine's Day comes and we miss getting our wives something or a card or whatever, taking her out for lunch, at least that, whatever. You know, true love isn't like, I'm guilty. I've got to do it. Why you got to do it? Well, because she expects it. I got to do it. Wrong reason. We could also be doing it out of pride. Look at my good works. God isn't interested in that. We could also be doing it for an eternal reward only. Well, you told me, Pastor Mark, that when I get to heaven, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to be judged for what I do and I want to have good things. I want to have lots of good things in heaven. So that's why I'm serving God now. Nice works, wrong motive. The one I think is the key, the problem with me, and probably most of us, is number four. They may have been serving God out of routine. Just simply going through the motions. Without emotion. Did you get it? Going through the motions without emotion. This was a, a dynamic church. They were discerning, dedicated, patient, disciplined. But now they were being chastised by God, who knows all things, including our motives, because there was not love in two areas, for God and for others. You see, if you love God, you love others. So it's both. Now, works cannot replace love. It's a danger to try to substitute, and that's a danger we all have today, to substitute activity for devotion. Cannot happen. We have to keep first things first. Let me read you 1 Corinthians. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries, 
all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains but not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but I have love, have not love, I gain nothing. So we can do marvelous things. But if we do not have the right motive for love, it's worth nothing. Hard lesson, isn't it? Can't grade yourself yet when I've done. See, they were so busy doing the work of God that they forgot God. That word first there suggests quality, intensity, unlike that of their initial love. In other words, they had had love for God, but had grown cold. Right by that verse, just write, cold. That's what had happened. Remember the song? You lost that love and feeling, that love and feeling. I know, I won't go on. But they lost it. It, it had gone. It, it, they still had some love, but, but overall it had gone. It had gone. Now God doesn't leave him there. He comes with admonition. How to get right. Isn't that great? God says, here's what's wrong, but I'm going to help you, show you what's right. Well, how's he going to do it? It's because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. Now don't... Yeah, you better. You better grade yourself in that area. Go ahead. And let me give you a clue how to do that. Think back when you were first a Christian. We'll develop this more in a minute. When you were first a Christian compared to now. What kind of zeal, devotion, excitement? I'm not looking. Go ahead. You ain't seeing mine as I already told you. Now verse 5. Here's what he says. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So here's the formula, how to get right. It's three R's. It's very easy. Remember. In the Greek it means, keep on remembering. Second, repent. Turn around. Do things differently. Third, repeat. Get back to the basics. Doing what you were doing before. The three R's. It's not reading, writing, arithmetic. It's remember, repent, repeat. Now, let's take a look at remember. This first love that Jesus is talking about is actually a picture of Christ to his church. So for us, it's a picture today, for those of you that are married, is a picture of, your, of like a newly wedded couple. Fervent and chaste and pure love when you were first married. Do you remember your early dating days in those first few years and weeks of your marriage? You remember those early days when you were dating? This is what Christ says. Remember, 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 remember back. Flowers, cards, endless phone calls. Couldn't stop being together. It was awesome. I remember that pickle corsage I made for my wife. It was fun, man. It was great. Remember those first few weeks of marriage? Wow. Long nights in bed. Not sleeping. Hmm. It wasn't because she snored or you snored or you had indigestion. It was... Well, remember? Hmm. In today's message, we saw the good things that the churches were doing. In the areas of good works, perseverance, resisting sin, discernment, and faithfulness, they would get a good grade. 
What they had done was forsaken their first love. Pastor Mark asked us to remember when we had first given our lives to Jesus and to compare that excitement and devotion to our relationship with Jesus today. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will focus on what to do differently if we found ourselves lacking in some of the same areas that the churches did who are addressed in Revelation. We will see that condemnation and conviction are two very different things, and only God's admonition leads to conviction and repentance. The condemnation of the enemy can discourage us in our faith in God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.